Okay, um, why don't you go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we are engaged in a study of the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning we're going to begin a new section in this wonderful sermon dealing with, you ready for this, brothers and sisters? Hypocrisy. How many of you struggle with feelings of hypocrisy, especially as a Christian? I do, right? Well, what I want to do is I want to begin to discuss this very important topic and to teach us as a body how we can kill it. Amen? How we can just deal with it once and for all because of what Christ has done for us, right? And so when the devil comes to you, when you sin, for example, and you're beginning to struggle with feelings of hypocrisy, right? Or when your heart is not in something like it should be that Christ calls you to, right? Maybe me as a preacher, you know, I do struggle with keeping my heart involved in what God has called me to. Or maybe we as a church going through transition, right? Struggle with the way it's happening. And so we have to make heart adjustments, we have to make sure that we're living before God in all that we do, and God's going to test that. And not living for ourselves or for men. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, so this morning, as I said, we're going to talk about this subject, and hopefully it'll be encouraging, and we'll do so in a way that brings glory to God and, and edifies your heart. In mind. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 18. That's the section of Scripture that will be the focus of our attention for the next three to four weeks. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, ending at verse 18. And this is the word of the Lord. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you... When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray." Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, 
When you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but you to your, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So it's obvious from this text, brothers and sisters, that from a plain reading, the Lord Jesus is going after the sin of hypocrisy. Wouldn't you agree? When you do this, don't be like these guys. Give. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And when you fast, don't be like who? The hypocrites. Okay? So it should be clear to us from a plain reading of the text that Jesus is warning his disciples historically how to avoid being like hypocrites in the way they practice their religion. All right? That's what Jesus is doing in the text. And it's important for you guys to see that so that you can see that I'm preaching the text, right? And not my own agenda up here. Okay? I didn't choose this subject. Right? All right, so let me tell you how I plan to handle this. Um, first, I will need to establish the context and show you what Jesus is doing historically. And that's another way of saying, give you some review. Secondly, I'm going to attempt to define his hypocrisy because hypocrisy is not an easy thing to define. It's very elusive in, you know, when we live in time and space, right? Um, thirdly, I want to give you the motives for hypocrisy, and we'll just be further defining it there. And then that will lead the way into how we are to avoid hypocrisy in our giving or our charitable deeds, how we are to avoid hypocrisy when we pray, and how we are to avoid hypocrisy when we fast. Okay, so you, you guys see the outline? You see what I'm going to be doing? All right, so this morning, I'm just going to try to give you guys an idea of what Jesus means or what the scriptures means by hypocrisy, okay? And that'll pave the way for where we're going in these aspects of how we do or practice our religion. Okay, you guys with me? All right, so let's pray and ask God to bless our time this morning. God, we thank you for the church. We thank you for this church. We thank you for what you are doing amongst us, even though we do not completely understand it, but we trust you, Lord. And so we pray that you would use your word this morning to further sanctify us. We pray that you would use your word to focus us upon your glory, your kingdom, and its righteousness that our minds might be washed, our souls might be cleansed, Lord, from the filth of last week's living. Lord, we love you. We know that you have ordained that we are sanctified by your word because your word is truth. And so help us to work through the lies that we hear daily, even those that we preach to ourselves at times. And Lord Jesus, we bow before you, thanking you that because of your shed blood, you've made this all possible, that we can come and sit at your feet and learn from you. And so we pray that you would honor our worship as we devote it to you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so each time we begin a new section in... Uh, well, in any teaching or passage of Scripture that we're going through, it's important to establish the, the broader context in which I'm speaking. You remember how I talked about the force for the trees? You know, we're looking at these trees right now, and we don't want to lose sight of the fact that we're in the force, right? So, historically speaking, as I said earlier, what Jesus is doing 
as he's warning his disciples and he's warning the nation of Israel against the teaching and the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees, all right? And the first thing we saw is how the scribes and Pharisees were teaching Israel, you know, the average, the common folk in Israel, on the attitude of a believer, okay, the attitude of a believer, and Jesus corrected that by giving us the Beatitudes, the correct attitude of the believer, the correct attitude of those who've been truly born again and redeemed by God. And that was the study on the Beatitudes. The second thing that Jesus had to correct the religious culture of his day was how they were interpreting their Bibles. All right? Remember, you have heard that it hath been said of them by old, you shall not, but I say unto you. And there's a series of those that Jesus goes through. And what he's doing there is he's correcting his disciples, and he's saying the scribes and Pharisees, they were interpreting their Bibles wrong. They were interpreting the law and the prophets according to the tradition of men, and it wasn't rooted in Christ. You guys with me? Okay, so that's the second section that we just finished up. Now, that brings us to the third section in the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to talk about this morning. And that's found in verse, um, chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And what Jesus is doing here, brothers and sisters, is he's beginning to warn his disciples against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in practical matters such as giving, fasting, and praying. Okay? Is that fair? Do you guys see that in the text? Okay, you see the progression of what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount on the whole? You see the context as he's addressing the nation of Israel? because they had fallen into idolatry and they've lost their way. And can't you see why they didn't recognize the Messiah when he came on the scene? Okay, it wasn't because they were unsaved. It wasn't just because they were unsaved. It was also a result of bad teaching. You guys follow me? This is the reason why they weren't getting saved, because they had men who were overseeing them that were, that were teaching bad doctrine. You understand? So, case in point. Nicodemus comes to check out Jesus Christ because he is the leading teacher in Israel of the day, right? And he comes to Jesus by night and he says, we know that you come from God because no one can do the miracles that you've done unless God's with him. But are you God, right? And Jesus responds to him and says, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you cannot even see the kingdom of heaven unless you become what? And Nicodemus didn't even know Christianity 101. He said, can a man jump back into his mother's womb and be born again, right? But you and I know that Jesus is clearly talking about what? Being born of the Spirit. You understand that? Meaning salvation has nothing to do with our own strength, our own powers, our own works, our own duties, and Nicodemus didn't even understand that. So do the math. What do you think he was teaching the people of Israel in the day? A works gospel, right? You see the point? So do you see the condition and the state of the people of Israel in Jesus' day? You understand? See why it's so important that we establish the historical context, first of all, before we start looking at the trees of what Jesus is doing in the, in the immediate context? Okay, you guys tracking with me? Okay, so Jesus is coming on the scene, and he's trying to correct... Uh, the religious culture, he's trying to correct the, the theology and so on and so forth, and the Pharisees ain't having it. We got spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. And you're going to be seeing this all the way up until Jesus gets hung on a what? Cross. For who? All those who believe. Right? Right? So again, we have a classic battle between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees. And this stuff is alive and well today. Be discerning, brothers and sisters. All right? Know your Bible, trust your God, and walk humbly, love mercy, and do justly. And the Lord will keep you and he will preserve you all right? By his grace. Okay? So, just exactly what is hypocrisy? 
We tend to think of hypocrisy in terms of one who violates their own standards that they hold another person to, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? So I have a standard in my home, let's say that I don't eat potato chips past 12 o'clock at midnight, right? That's my standard, right? And I see my boy eating chips past 12, and I go, hey, what are you doing eating those chips? And then the following night, he sees dad what? Eating chips. You hypocrite, right? Isn't that the way we use the term? Okay. Well, hypocrisy means a lot more than that, all right? So I want you to pay attention because what I'm going to be doing, brothers and sisters, in defining this is I'm going to be defining a culture, okay? Not just a sin, but a culture, a lifestyle. And this is where we have to be careful as a church that we don't fall into this hypocritical culture. You guys with me? Just like the nation of Israel did, right? So the Greek word for hypocrisy... Um, is the word hippo, as in hungry, hungry hippo, kretis, okay? I'm dating myself, right? You guys remember that game, hungry, hungry hippo? Yeah, back in the day when toys were good, right? So the Greek word simply means, check this out, actor, right? One who acts, one who pretends, Someone who behaves in a way that is not genuine or true to who they really are. For example, we all know a good actor or actress is someone who is very convincing, right? So I was, my wife and I and my children were watching Blue Bloods the other day, and I'm not a big TV buff and things like that, so don't go judging me or labeling me as, Pastor Ernie. You guys know what I'm talking about? Love me. So we were watching Blue Bloods, right? And I think Donnie um, Wahlberg, that man is convincing. I love him. I, you know, he's becoming one of my favorite actors, right? Because every time I watch him, I'm like, man, he, it's almost like that's who he is. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's kind of the idea of what we mean by actor. Someone who's so convincing that you believe that that's them. But we know that's not him. It's just a role. He's pretending, right? Okay, so that's the idea of hypocrisy, but that's not what it means to be a hypocrite because we don't call actors what? Now, why? Why are actors not hypocrites? And this is going to be the first thing I want you to highlight on on hypocrisy. Go ahead, you can answer. They're playing a role. Okay, very good. But they're playing a role that they what? They know that they're playing. They're consciously aware that they're playing this role, right? The hypocrite, what? Doesn't know. He is self-deceived. He actually believes that he is what he's pretending to be. Follow me? That's what's so nasty about this condition, brothers and sisters. You with me? Okay. See, hypocrisy is described in the Bible like leaven or cancer. It's something that when it gets a hold of something, you have a small window to deal with it. Otherwise, you're at the mercy of who? Everyone around you and God himself. It's like leprosy. Once it gets on or, or cancer, if you don't detect it early, it spreads. And then it gets to the point to where you might have to have people constantly waiting on you and tending to you, which is fine. It's okay. But the point is, there's a window of opportunity before it gets so bad that it can do damage to the whole body, right? See, that's the idea when we talk about this thing called hypocrisy. My point is, brothers and sisters, we need one another. I need you to avoid this thing. It's not, it's, it, we're not talking about coals burning by, them, by themselves or uh, no man's an island unto himself, you guys realize that, right? By the way, the proverb says, he that actually isolates himself is seeking his own what? Desire. Okay? See, we are a part of community. And when one part of the body hurts, we all what? Hurt. And when one part of the body struggles with form of hypocrisy, y'all better come after me. You guys know what I'm talking about? Y'all better love me like Jesus would love me. 
Don't play games with me. Don't sugarcoat. Come tell me the truth. I can't see. You guys know what I'm talking about? I've been so engulfed in this thing that I can't help myself anymore. I need the body. I need Christ. I need grace to be delivered from this condition. And what's even more scary is where people harden their hearts in their hypocrisy and the very help, like Jesus to the Pharisees. You remember when he told them? He says, you search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life, but they testify of me, but you won't come to me that you might have life. He told the Pharisees that. Jesus, why is he talking that way to them? And they rejected him because of their hard hearts in their hypocrisy. They felt that they were righteous before God. They didn't need him. That's what hypocrisy looks like. You understand? But Jesus said about them, but actually you're full of dead men's bones. Your hearts are full of covetousness. You're liars, you're thieves, and they couldn't even see it to admit it. See the nature of it? See how nasty it is? So, the first aspect of hypocrisy, which you need to mark down, is it has a deceptive component to it. It has a deceptive component to it. And I want you to highlight about that, that the first person it seeks to deceive is guess who? You and me. All right? Okay? But there's another aspect to hypocrisy, and that's where I want to spend the most of the time, brothers and sisters. This is what I'm going to open up, unpack, or develop. And that is, there are motivations to hypocrisy that help us to further understand how it works and why it's so dangerous to church life or family life or our nation, you know? Um, Hypocrites do one thing or hypocrites do what they do, excuse me, with one sole purpose in mind, okay? And this is it. And that is they live for man rather than the Lord in all that they do, okay? Because, so we can keep it simple. Hypocrites, in all their religious act duty, activity, and you know whether it's tithing, whether it's serving in the church, whether it's praying, whether, you know, like the Pharisees. They did it all, right? But they did it for one sole purpose, for the glory and the praise of man, right? Not who? God. See, the Pharisees were living for a world for themselves that they constructed. The praise and the fear of man. Two nasty twin sins that we need to be aware of. How many of you struggle with the fear of man. Come on, I need to see more hands than that. Let's see, yeah, okay. How many of you struggle with man-pleasing? You know, wanting to be accepted by man, not, not wanting to offend, making sure that everybody loves me, like, you know, Pastor Ernie sometimes. You know, he comes up here and he says, make sure you love me, don't judge me, right? Man-pleasing, the fear of men. It's in us all, brothers and sisters. We're, we're sinners. Let's just admit it, okay? And if you can't admit it, hopefully after today's sermon, you'll be able to admit it about yourself, okay? For those of us who are trusting Christ, we've been redeemed by God's grace, so there's no condemnation. Amen, brothers and sisters? And we can praise God, and we can deal with this about ourselves because we're trusting him by his grace. There's no condemnation. He that doeth truth comes to the light, not runs from it, comes to the light, okay? So the fear of man and man-pleasing is the motivation for why hypocrites do what they do. Let me just show you this in the text, and then we'll kind of highlight this um, uh, throughout the rest of the talk here. But in one, Jesus says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before who? To be what? What's he talking about? 
all of that, all of it, acceptance before man, you know, wanting accolades and, and, and even money and, and anything that's just man-centered, right? Man-centered, what we call man-centered teaching, man-centered theology, all about men, men, men. No focus on God. You guys with me? See, that's, what Je- See, that's the big picture of what Jesus is teaching here. Let's not talk about give, how we give yet. Let's not talk about how we fast. Let's not talk about how we pray. Let's talk about the big picture of what Jesus is doing in the context. You guys with me? All right? Jesus, you guys need to leave here this morning, is teaching us how to live before God in all we do rather than who? Right? See, if I adjust my preaching to the way some of you feel this morning, I'm living before who? Man. Right? See, if I adjust what I'm doing as, as the interim pastor right now, and I just listen to this voice over here and this voice over here and this, I'm living before who? Man. Now, it's not to say that I can't do that, but at the end of the day, i got to get on my knees and talk to my father. i got to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because that's what's going to be done, Lord. And even if it costs me ridicule, even if it costs me my life, I live to please you, Lord. You understand? I live before you in all I do. Not men. Not myself. That's how you kill hypocrisy. Right? Plain and simple. Now, it's easier said than done, but that's how you destroy it in all of its evil machinations and tentacles, right? We got to deal with our natural native tendency as sinners to deal with the fear of man and man-pleasing, the fear of man and man-pleasing, right? I have a tendency to fear man at times. I have a tendency to fear you, brothers and sisters. Honestly, I do. But I got to catch myself. I got to do that slap, that, that aqua velva slap. How many of you know about the aqua velva slap? See, back in the day, right? Whack, whack. It's like, I didn't use aqua velva, but anyway. So, you and I have to be aware of these things about our hearts, brothers and sisters, right? We have to be aware of that in body life. Pastors have to be aware of that when they shepherd God's people. Some of you guys want to do things just to please me, and i got to be aware of that. And I say, no, no, stop, 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 stop. We don't do that. Or some of you might do things out of fear, you know. I, I, I should be serving because I feel obligated. I feel guilty when I don't serve. Those things are going to be there, but you got to work through that. Do you understand? And you got to get to a pure motive before the Lord in what you're doing. I don't want you doing church for me. Honestly, I don't. I want you here because I love you. I mean that. And I want to do it together with you. But it's not for me. I want you serving in the church. And all you who are members of Christ's body need to be serving. Right? Because when you're not, the rest of us ache. We're a body. And the eye can't say that the ear, I don't need you. I can do this all alone. You know, the pastor can, can, can do this, the preaching and the outreach and clean the church and fill the baptismal and do this and do this and do this. You know what I'm doing, you guys? I'm acting like an idiot as a pastor. I'm not operating consistently with the word of God at that point. And I get burnout as a result of that because I'm getting what I deserve you understand that and that's not a mark to pastors who are put in that position Uh, I'm, I'm you know I'm not speaking to that I'm just saying we need to take heed that that doesn't happen around here all right we need to protect one another we need to be honest we need to be transparent and we need to be honest about the issues of our own heart that falls short of God's glory, right? Living for the fear of man and living to please men is when you do or don't do something based upon how you're being viewed by man 
rather than God. It's that simple. Now, I want to highlight this in our PC culture right now, okay? You guys know what political correctness is all about? You guys know what's behind that? Okay, so let me just mention some things here. These are kind of like popular things right now in America in the PC world, right? To say that homosexuality is bad or wrong or is a wrong lifestyle in America is viewed as hate speech, right? Would you guys agree with that? Okay. And in order to keep from being viewed by others as a bigot or a hater, some Christians either out of fear or desire to please man refuse to speak against homosexuality as a wrong lifestyle. You guys understand? Because they're succumbing to the pressure, right, of the government and those in high places, the fear of man, that the proverb says brings a snare. Here's another one. Or to say that women should not be given equal opportunity with men concerning their roles. Oh, you better not go there. Right? We got to go there because the Word of God, what? Goes there. Equal opportunity in their roles, meaning male should not be the head of the home, when the Scriptures clearly make that the case, right? And actually, and this is going to sting a little, ladies, no offense, but actually, man is the head of woman, period. It's not a home thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 makes that perfectly clear. Paul's talking about the creation mandate, and he says, woman was made for man. She was taken from man to be a help meet suitable for him by God's design. That has nothing to do with marriage. Nothing to do with marriage. You guys with me? I'm with you, ladies. I love you. I do, but I got to tell you the truth as it is in Jesus and not as the culture wants it to be. And we give rise because we buckle under the pressure to the egalitarian movement, right? And women becoming pastors in our churches today, our evangelical cir- circles today. You guys, we, we, we should be bothered by that. You understand? Third one, or to say in an increasingly pluralistic society that Jesus is the only way to God and there is no other way to heaven than through Christianity, we are viewed as narrow-minded, we are viewed as bigot, religious bigots, and Bible thumpers, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And, it, and it's all because, you know, we got to be politically correct around here in America, but the church, should, the church shouldn't buckle under that pressure. The church should not cave into the fear of man, or the church should not be a man-pleaser. We serve our Lord, come what may. You understand what I'm talking about? We speak out where we need to, in love, intact, graciously, but we do it. We don't buckle and cave into the pressure to create a hypocritical culture. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is, where, this is what Israel succumbed to. Just read your Old Testament. Nothing new under the sun. Government started putting pressure, you know, other gods, you know, they're coming in, you know, they need some space too and some room, so we got to compromise to start filling the space. Okay, no, 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 we don't do that around here. Not in the house of God, not in the church of God. Maybe out there, but not in here. You leave that stuff at the door, right? We're going to love you, but it's on God's terms. Not ours and not yours, all right? But not only does Satan seek to exploit these sins in the general public, okay, or in our culture out there, he also seeks to exploit them in church culture. And I'm speaking of the two sins of the fear of man and living to please man, right? And if we succumb to that, you'll begin to notice that even in the church, that people are operating under fear or man-pleasing, right? You know, we go to church because we like that pastor. 
and he likes you too, right? Or we listen to that preacher because he's the celebrity preacher, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And he mentioned my word in one of his sermons even. I like him. So the devil knows what he's doing. And he's up to no good in the house of God. The devil's not out there. The devil's probably somewhere in here. Seeking to wreak havoc, right? And go from chair to chair, whispering, seeing who he can find that'll just bite. How about you? And you say, no, get out of here. And then he moves on to the next, right? Herein lies the problems with the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day. The Pharisees cultivated hypocrisy in their teaching by focusing the people's attention on themselves, meaning the Pharisees and the people, with no reference to God. But you say, that can't be. The Pharisees had the Mosaic Law. That's all they talked about was God. That's the nature of hypocrisy. You get it? There's a self-deception element. So they thought that, that what they were doing was right before God. They thought they were serving God. They thought they were, their worship was honorable. And so when Jesus gets on the scene and Jesus goes, oh, no, you know, that shouldn't be that and that. And they're like, who are you to come in here and tell us that we're doing all this wrong? You're actually hypocrites. You get it? And we, we, we you guys, we have to beware of that. Don't, it's, it's over some place to say, yeah, but I'm saved and God will preserve me. You know, I'm a child of his grace and that can't happen to me. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest you what? Fall. I'm sure they were thinking that way in their day. Israel, the elect of God. Do you understand that? Okay? We're the special ones. Beware. You ain't that special. Right? You better watch your heart. And you better listen to the word of God, and you better get on your knees and humble yourself under his word. That's how you get special. Okay? It's called grace. The Pharisees cultivated this culture in the lives of the people of God and gathered enough people to crucify the Messiah. All right? Now, I want you to watch this in Scripture. Turn, first of all, turn to Luke chapter 12. And this, this, this will help you guys to understand a lot of your Bible, too, what's going on historically, not only under the Old Covenant, but even in the New Covenant as well. When Jesus and John the Baptist and, and his boys come on the scene and, you know, they, they begin their ministry and they start and then they face this huge opposition. It'll explain a lot of, to you of what's going on in the book of Acts as well. Okay? Um, in Luke chapter 12, I apologize, I forgot to put my little sticky notes in my Bible. Okay, Luke 12, here we are. Verse 1, we're going to begin at verse 1 and we're going to end at verse uh, 7. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, now before we get into the next section here, this is a massive crowd, brothers and sisters, innumerable, right? So, so think of a ball game with, that's holding the you know, crowd for the Super Bowl, maybe. You can number that right? So this is a lot of people. Jesus has a golden opportunity to speak and teach, and, and he, he realized that being God. Listen to what he says. He says, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, and by disciples, I, I mean those in the crowd who have ears to hear and who want to follow and do his will. So you got these massive crowds, and disciples are in the crowds, and he's saying to them, but the crowds are hearing it, okay? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Man, Lord, that's not gracious. That Lord, you don't go around saying that when people are, what are you doing? 
You're starting fights. Who does that? Right? We're like, no, I can't talk about names. I can't call out so-and-so, you know, because we don't want to offend. You think Jesus is living before men in what he's doing? You think Jesus fears men? You think Jesus is living to please men? No. Jesus can care less because he's focused upon doing one thing and one thing only, which is the opposite of the one thing and the one thing motivation for the hypocrite, right? I've come to do your will, O oh God, right? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is what, brothers and sisters, in the text? Hypocrisy. There it is. That's not me. I'm not making it up. Jesus is saying that. What he means there is just like leaven spreads to, to make bread rise, it has to permeate everything. That's how the teaching of the Pharisee worked in Israel, like leaven, like cancer. That means one person heard it, they agreed, and they followed it. It seemed to be really good and right to them. And then the next person, and they develop this community and more communities, and, and the Pharisees get the power, and they get the seat, and so on and so forth. And leaven, right? Or like cancer, if it goes undetected and spreads and corrupts. Then he goes on to say this in verse 2. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. That's called sovereignty. God. Omniscience. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid. Now, why in the world would Jesus talk about fear after he just got through talking about the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees? See the connection? See, the Pharisees were creating a culture of fear in the way they were leading the people. And Jesus is saying, you guys, don't live that way. Live before God. You get it? Because everything is going to be revealed ultimately. So be transparent. Be honest in the way you live. Speak the truth always. You understand? Well, I can't talk about certain things because, you know, I'm going to get thrown out of the synagogue. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about chaplain or Pastor Ernie's preaching. If it's wrong, you better be. And you need to be talking about that amongst yourself. Start with me, please. Come to me. Help me. Get it? Don't, don't, don't let fear and don't let the fact that you, you have a desire to please me keep you from doing what God is using your conscience to prick your conscience to do. I need that from you. That's how we dispel a culture of hypocrisy and fear and man-pleasing around here. Do you understand that? We have to die to ourselves, brothers and sisters, in order for the life of Christ to be manifest in us. We die daily, right? He says, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do to you. So Jesus is going to the ultimate thing. You know, the Pharisees were doing things like ostracizing people, putting them out of the synagogue. You guys will read about that when you read through your uh, gospels, which you should be doing, right? Okay? And you'll see how the Pharisees were moving and, and working the people, right? He says, but I show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Now watch the difference between the two fears. The Pharisees were using terror, you know, and was producing, as a result, a secret society, you know, whisperings and backbitings and things that we have to talk about behind closed doors because we can't relate to them. You, you know, we can't really tell them what we really think, that kind of stuff. Okay, that nonsense. All right? Jesus is saying, I'll tell you who you guys better be fearing and living before God. Right? Now, notice this. Check this out, brothers. This is amazing. I love the Lord for this. And then he does this. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all number. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than the sparrows. You see what Jesus is saying to his own? He's saying, you fear the Pharisees because this. What was that? 
Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You, you fear the Pharisees because of, you're, you're terrified, right? But you fear the Lord. You respect the Lord, right? Because He cares for you. He knows about the sparrows that drop to the ground. He knows even the, the hairs on Phil's head, they're all numbered, right? You know what Jesus is saying? That's why you should fear your father. That's why you should respect him. That's why you should live before him in all you do, because he cares for you. He loves you. Get it? It's a stark difference, isn't there, between the two types of leadership or authority that we place ourselves under, right? You guys beware of authoritarian cultures in church. You guys know what I'm talking about? pastoral abuse. It's a two-way street, by the way. It's not just the pastors. It's the people who succumb to the fear of man and man-pleasing, and they allow themselves to be abused. You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? And then you get this authoritarian type, hierarchy type of stuff going on in the church that has nothing to do with the scriptures and what Jesus Christ has called us to as a family and as a body and as the people of God, right? And we, we don't even know how to be real with one another. We can't really talk about the real issues. There's all kinds of elephants that grow in the room. You know why? Because of this stuff right here that we're talking about, the fear of man and living to please man. You understand that? And we get what we deserve when we succumb to that. You understand? As a pastor, you guys, uh, that's why I make statements up, up here sometimes that you guys are like, what is he doing? Why is he talking that way? Because I'm trying to be real with you guys. Yeah, you guys need to know me, warts and all, my sins, everything. Come over. I, I have you over to my homes, right? And I, that's, that's going to be constant, constant. I need you to know me, everything, sins, you, you name it. Let's, you want to talk about it? Let's talk, anything. You pick a card. We can do it. I have nothing to hide. You understand? I need to know my sins and my blind spots. You know who's going to help me to see it? You guys. Otherwise, I'm just going to be doing this, trying to look at my back. I need a mirror, right? Just boom. Oh, okay, thanks. We have to avoid this culture like the plague. It will destroy life around here. And you guys know, some of you guys have been in churches like this. I've been in a church like this. I was a part of leadership that was like this, Right? And you young Christians, maybe you can't see this yet, but you know the, you know the kind of like the smell. You know, it's foul. Something's not right, you know? And then some of you, because you don't, you don't even know what man-pleasing sins are or, or the fear of men, nobody's taught you that. You just, you just go like little kids, and, and, and you're being manipulated by people, and you don't even know it, right? We know it in the workforce. People that can't say no. And then the boss will play on that, even though it's wrecking the home life and everything, right? And it's all to please who? The boss, man. I'm like, is the boss your God? So you got to draw a line somewhere, don't you? You guys know what I'm talking about. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Gospel of John chapter 12. And I I chose these verses because I'm trying to describe the culture here of hypocrisy and what it breeds. In John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, we read this. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of who? That's Bible. That's not me making this up, guys, right? So you see, you, you, see, you can relate to the Pharisees' type of leadership now, right? They're not so mysterious anymore, right? You guys can see in time and space now what the Pharisees were like in their leadership, right? They would walk around the church, making sure everything's nick and tuck, right? Hey, why are your 
disciples picking grains of head on the Sabbath day? And why don't they wash their hands before they eat? You know, we've been noticing about that about you, Jesus, and you're, you're following, right? And Jesus is like, well, let's talk. Let's go to the law and the prophets. Not your traditions. Let's talk. And Jesus is not being proud, right? No, Jesus is being honest with the truth of God's word. And when you guys come to me, because you might have a difference of, let's talk. And you know what? how I should respond to that? Well, let's talk. Bring your Bibles. And let's dig in and enjoy a nice feast as brothers and sisters, working out the scriptures together in love. But don't allow the devil, you guys, to isolate us. and Start creating cliques. And move away. And, you know, we can't talk anymore. It's just, hi. <laughs> you know, and then, boom, you sit down, and, and you're terrified to death. And, you know, and, and don't let gossip enter in. You know, the devil whispers something in your ear, and then before you know it, you can't view Pastor Ernie Wright correctly anymore. You're like, you're trying, but you can't because you've allowed gossip, okay, to settle in like a nice morsel. It went down really sweet at first, but then it settles in the soul, just like the proverb says, bitter, like you got the flu, and you want to spit it up, because you know it's no good for your soul, because now you can't do body life anymore. You're struggling to be here. You're, it's like, you got to talk. You got to sit down. You got to get to know me and whoever your leaders are. Hebrews 13 says, know those who rule over you. What's this distance, cold, isolated stuff, you know? I don't see that in Scripture. He says, uh, verse 43, or 44, um, no, I'm sorry. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21, and then one more, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Matthew chapter 21 Beginning at verse 23, ending at verse 27. This also highlights the culture. Now when he came into the temple, or the church, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing. Which of you tell me? Which if you tell me, I'm sorry. I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from, who was it from? From heaven or from men? Okay? The baptism of John, was he doing that before God or who? See the issue? Living before God, living before men. Was John the Baptist living before God or men in what he was doing in his authoritative stance, Right? And listen to how the Pharisees reason. And they reasoned amongst themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So you see, the Pharisees were operating out of the fear of man themselves. You understand that? See that? And they're the leaders. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of it, Jesus said. It spreads. It's nasty. Tear you up. Destroy cultures, communities, homes. It's hypocrisy. Um, Acts chapter 4, and then we'll be done. And this stuff is all over Scripture, brothers and sisters. Um, it's in the Old Covenant, too, big time. Acts chapter 4. And I like this one because I like the boldness of John and Peter here. You know, a little, a little holy, uh, uh, what is it called? Feistiness, you know? We can use some of that. Um, Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 5, and I'll try to read with the half step. 
And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. So you guys see the picture? This is big time. All the big wigs are coming out, right? Okay? Verse 7, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? See, it's an authority issue again, right? Is this of men or is this of who? See, see what the constant struggle is? That's the issue of authority. By what authority is Pastor Ernie preaching right now? Is he just doing his own thing? Is it, is it just, you know, the people of EGBC got together and they all just decided to, you know, do their own thing before the Lord? But it's really man-centered. Get it? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. He didn't have to say that. That's like, <clears throat> right? We'd be like, oh, John, John, what did you say that for? We could have won them. Don't you know that God wants to get the gospel to them? We could have saved them. Why do you got to start this? Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. By the way, that's why miracles were allowed to be done in those days, to testify that Jesus is the Christ, right? This is the stone which was rejected by you, that's personal, builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is boldness. These are men living before the Lord and not fearing men. And they know what the consequences could be for their proclamation of the gospel here. You guys know what I'm talking about? Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness, thank you very much, of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could not say anything against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred amongst themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Listen to that. We can't deny this. It's like, you guys repent. I mean, come on. Humble yourselves. I know that takes God's grace to do that. I get that, you guys. I'm... Okay? Verse 16. Uh, what verse am I in? 17. But so that it spreads no further, watch this, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. Right? See the tactic they're using? Let, let's, let's get in the fear. Right? Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. By the way, you guys, this is PC culture right here. This is what it does, Okay. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now watch uh, uh, Peter and John's response. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, we'll let you, ju or you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them, because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. You see what's going on there? See, the way the devil works in our lives, brothers and sisters, first of all, he'll threaten us, right? You know, use the law. You Christians, you keep talking that way. We'll put you, uh, well, we'll do something less than that. We'll start with just maybe taking your uh, non-profit, or what is it, your tax exemption status away, right? We'll, we'll start there, and we'll see how many people move for that. And Chris is like, you know, I've counted the costs, and 
I, you know, I, 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 I can die for that, right? And then they'll do things that you'll see in the New Testament in, as the book of Acts progresses, where they beat them and put them where? In prison. And then you see, you know, some of the people dying off. God purifying the truly committed. Those who are no longer living before man, but solely for who? God. And then when you keep on reading, there's this persecution that breaks out. And then the Apostle Paul, this maniac, or he wasn't Paul, then he was Saul, says, you know what, I'm going to start dragging these boys and girls in, and we're going to start putting them to what? Beginning with who? Stephen, the first martyr. Do you understand that? And that's why we say the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. See how it works? You see how Satan comes in and he starts, you know, with PC talk, right? And then God, through that, begins to say, now, who's truly mine? Who's living for me and who's living for men, right? And then Satan says, up the ante, boys. And the demons say, yeah, let's go in and let's start making them suffer, you know? We'll bring ISIS to America, We'll bring terrorists, and we'll make them fear, and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll get them to, to stop calling Islam, uh, you know, we'll get them to, 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 to say that Islam is a religion of peace. I'm not there. You understand that? And I'm going to call it what it is. It's idolatry. It's wrong. It's not a religion of peace, Okay. And we got to be ready to speak that way, brothers and sisters. You know what I'm talking about? Because we don't fear men. We fear who? And he takes care of us, doesn't he? My hairs are numbered. So are yours, brothers and sisters. He's got your back. He'll care for you. Trust him. Fear him. Right? Don't allow the devil to move you into a compromised, hypocritical stance, okay, as a Christian. You understand? See, the Word of God is very relevant, isn't it? Speaks right to our day, doesn't it? And there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, let's close here. I want to turn to Galatians chapter 3. Close with a saint who was known fearing man. You guys guess who that would be? And, and we can take comfort in this in many ways. It's kind of like a twisted comfort, but Peter denied the Lord three times, right? And there's no Peters in, in the assembly this morning, right? I mean, I'm not a Peter. I'll be the first to admit that. And so when I look at what he did and how Jesus extolled Peter and, 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 and raised him up to be who he is, there's hope for us, right? Right? But in Galatians chapter 3, what I like about this passage, one of the things I like about this passage is it shows me that Peter struggled with this probably throughout his whole life. It wasn't just when he denied the Lord three times. When he was the, the, uh, one of the leaders in the church, you know, Paul had to confront him to his face, right? You guys familiar with that story? Okay, and, and look what happened here. And what Paul was doing is Paul stopping this very thing that we're talking about right now. Now, Paul could have said this. You know what? Guys, I'm not going to go confront Peter. Don't you know who Peter is? You remember what the Lord Jesus said about him? Who am I to confront Peter? We, we don't talk that way about fellow ministers, right? But I don't see Paul doing that, right? This is what I see Paul doing. Verse 11. Now, when Peter had to come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. Galatians 2. I apologize. Thanks, Ron. I withstood him to his face. Now, let me ask you, brothers and sisters, how would you respond to that if Doug came up here and said, you know what, fellow brothers, I had to withstand Ernie to his face. Would you guys be like, yeah, but I like Chaplain or Pastor King. You know? He, he, was, he, he helped me back here. Or he did this. And, that, and that's fine and that's good. But if I'm doing wrong, you better support Elder Doug or Elder Phil. Right? And you guys better love me back into the fold if I'm doing the naughty. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I welcome that. Reprove a righteous man and he'll love you for it. But you try to reprove a scorner, it's like trying to dog or grab, grab a dog by the ears. Right? And they get defensive and they can't admit anything. You know, they don't want to talk. You know, they're moody and, and they avoid and that kind of stuff, right? They're not humble. They don't understand grace. They might know grace, but they don't understand it. They don't live it. Hypocrisy. He says this. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. There it is again. Peter feared the crowd. Watch. And the rest of the Jews also played the what? See the motive for hypocrisy? Not me, that's scripture, right? It's a culture that if we're not careful, we can cultivate here, right? And Paul saw that, and he withstood Peter to his face to stop this amongst these churches. Peter, come here, bro. Let's talk, right? And it was a gospel issue. If you keep reading, we don't have time. We're out of time. It's a gospel issue, brothers and sisters. Do you understand? See, if you guys, and I include myself, if we, okay, if we allow the fear of man and man-pleasing to govern our lives, to keep us, you guys, from living before God rather than men, or did I say that right? Living before man rather than God, this is our lot. This is where we're headed. There's no neutrality. God's not a respecter of persons, brothers and sisters. God will chasten us before we kill ourselves doing it, but he'll do it. You guys understand? So, back to our text, what I'd like to do over the next two to three weeks is talk to you about this, okay? And the way we give or do our charitable deeds as a church, the way we pray, and the way we fast. That you and I, brothers and sisters, might be secure in what we do, that we might experience the joy and the peace, knowing that what we do, we do before the Lord and not before men. Amen? All right, let's pray.